John Heyman, insider for Odyssey Sports, New York Post columnist and MLB Network. Chicago is watching carefully, no question about it. Co-host of the Big Time Baseball Podcast. Crazy free agency. You're right, it was really a lot of fun, I think, for all the fans. Maybe not as much fun for me and Ken Rosenthal and Joel Sherman and (laughs) Jeff Passan. Curb your enthusiasm, enthusiast. You hate people. Well, I hate people individually, but I love mankind. John Heyman with Mully and Haw. I like the White Sox. You never know with the Cubs. On 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Joining the show is Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. Get access to data and insights the sports books don't want you to see. Bet smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. Today, John is also the host of the Odyssey original podcast, Big Time Baseball, with Cody Decker and Tony Gwynn Jr. covering the entire Major League Baseball landscape. And he joins us now on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. John, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. We are hanging in there, and uh, I know you're at Yankees camp right now, so you're in Florida. You're in, a, in the Grapefruit League. Um, we are uh, kind of monitoring all of the World Baseball Classic stuff, who's going where and when they're going to get going. I was surprised yesterday as I watched the Cubs take on Team Canada that none of the new rules are going to apply, right? I thought we had agreed that there were new rules to baseball and that the shift was banned. And it was just weird that those rules will not yet apply to the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, those rules are are for this country, for Major League Baseball. I guess we couldn't convince all the other countries to to abide by the rules. The players are pretty particular about uh, particularly the time clock. That That's really been the issue at this point. We'll see about the banning of the shift and all the other rules, how that will change the game. But uh, it's certainly been a major adjustment for a lot of these guys. I mean, Xander Bogart was out in the game in Arizona about a week ago, and uh, he was rushing to catch a plane uh, to go meet his Netherlands team, and yet he was called for a time violation. So he wasn't rushing enough. Uh, I think a lot of these guys are really going to have to adjust, particularly the Boston Red Sox, because they are used to playing at a very, very slow pace. I saw the betting line says the White Sox are going to have the most violations. I, I'm not going with that. It's, it's the Red Sox. They John, are the worst. John, what is the right way do you think you would advise people to watch the World Baseball Classic? Because I think part of me is like, oh, this is great drama, and you're seeing Otani doing everything for Team Japan, and you're seeing your favorite player wherever, and certainly with the White Sox have, having two players on Team Cuba, it's interesting. But at the same time, you watch it and you have this anxiety over, okay, don't get hurt. Just don't get hurt. So what is the right way to watch this over the next couple of weeks? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I got to say uh, uh, you're right about that. A lot of these teams are missing 10, 12, I, even with a team that's missing 15 players. I'm with the Yankees. I don't know whether it's they really discourage their guys or what, but only three guys have uh, left Yankee camp uh, to go play. Uh, it's certainly a concern, particularly for the pitchers, the injuries. I mean, uh, you know, Carlos Martinez, I can recall him in a WBC game throwing 101 miles an hour. And, you know, uh, he certainly had injuries after that. We don't know if it's related or what. We saw Tani this morning throwing 100. You know, I mean, he's uh, he's one of a kind. Uh, you know, maybe he can do it. But, uh, 
you know, I can't really blame uh, Cease and uh, DeGrom and uh, Verlander, Scherzer, all the uh, American pitchers for passing on the World Baseball Classic. We will see some of the great major league pitchers in the World Baseball Classic. Urias, obviously Otani, Alcantara, but uh, none of the U.S. guys. You look at that U.S. lineup, you think they're unbeatable with a batting champion batting ninth and superstars up and down that lineup. But, uh, you know, I wonder if they have the pitching to win. And, uh, you know, it's certainly a a concern and an understandable way most of our top pitchers have passed on this. You know, I I think what's interesting to me about the the idea of it is my fear that guys leave camp, they go start playing. And I know that you just said not tons of pitchers involved, but – they go and they and all of a sudden, you know, they're not. They don't need eight seconds to get ready. They don't. I just don't want them to fall out of whatever ground they've gained. I'm talking about Joan <laughs> Mancada and Luis Robert more than anyone else. Well, I mean, you know, there are guys. But uh, Machado was the first guy to have a violation. He right. started with an 0 and one count, still singled, and you know, I was in another camp when we were watching that game and. You know, I think they said, well, you know, Machado later said that I'm going to start with a lot of, a lot of 0-1-1 counts, but as someone pointed out, it's not going to matter that much to Machado. So he'll be fine with the 0-1-1 counts. But, you know, I, I think guys will adjust for the major league season. Uh, there will be violations. Uh, I think there's been an average of two a game right now. I think that will get down. And, uh, you know, I, I just is gonna, I'm going to defend this to the hilt because I write on deadlines, and it's certainly a lot <laughs> better for all of us in the media, not just because we want shorter games and we don't like the games, but we have to make the deadlines. And uh, I do think we're trimming the fat out of the game, and it'll be a better game. John, I'm curious what the national perspective is on what the White Sox uh, did in terms of how they handled the Mike Clevenger situation issuing no statement after Major League Baseball f- had uh, no discipline for Mike Clevenger at the conclusion of their investigation, and, and just what you think in terms of how long this will linger as a distraction, or on Saturday when he takes the mound, is that the end of it? You know, I, I think that's the end of it. You know, uh, there's no punishment, so I don't think we can assume there's any uh, anything negative there. I mean, certainly – uh, you know, certainly there was a dispute, and we know that. And uh, beyond that, I, I, you know, at this point, I would say I, I can't blame them for not issuing a statement. Um, it's really like it didn't happen. Uh, they've been MLB's investigated, as we know, tens of these situations, and it's rare when someone gets no discipline. I think we got no discipline. Not to say it means somebody's innocent for sure, but if there's not, not enough proof. You know, we, we consider them innocent in this country. So, uh, you know, I think people should probably move on, you know, unless something else comes out. Uh, I, th- I think at this point it's fine they issued no statement, and uh, I think it's fair to move on. So, uh, John, when I uh, think about what happened yesterday for the White Sox, Dylan Cease got hammered. I mean, he got hammered, and he threw like 23 pitches in the first inning gave up a grand slam, left the game, and then he came back out for the second inning. And I think he wound up with two outs in two innings um, of work, and uh, and he uh, he gave up 11 runs or something. And I, I, I we were talking about it this morning, and I said to David, you never know what guys are working on. You never know what they're trying to do. It's the exhibition season. None of it counts. 
And I know Carlos Rodon got beaten up pretty good with his debut with the Yankees. Again, I don't think you hit a panic button, but you do notice. I mean, especially for a guy like Rodon who's who's moved there and now is going to be uh, a part of things there. It's different, I guess, with your own guy, but isn't it? Is it? Is it any reason for concern if anything goes awry uh, with uh, a first start or with any start in the exhibition season? Yeah, I think it's probably a little early for concern. If if Cease had that start, you know, and we're a week away, I would say there's a concern. I, I would say March 10th is around the cutoff point where guys try to start getting some outs. I we saw Cole here where I am, and he looked fabulous already. And you know, some guys. Um, you know, want to come in and, and pitch their best right away. I, Jimmy Keo, I covered for years a long time ago. He never gave up any runs in spring training, so it seemed like. Anyway, but it, I, I don't think it matters much to this point, and you know, I would discount stats in Arizona where the ball flies, too. So uh, I wouldn't be too concerned. Uh, the thing with Rodon um, is, you know, he, the velocity was also not great in 93, so and they also just signed him for $162 million. So, uh, you know, might be a little more concerned with the Yankees for that. But the actual stats, I wouldn't worry about it until we get past March 10th. So, John, does that mean ignore the Cubs' seven-game winning streak, or can we get excited about it's that? It's eight games oh, if you count games. Team right. Canada. Now it's eight. <laughs> no, you guys can have fun with it. But in terms of uh, the relevance of it, uh, yes, I would ignore it. Uh, you know, there are a lot of times that – I wouldn't count spring training stats, although I, I wouldn't be concerned about the Marlins who have won one game here. I didn't see their result against uh, Team Israel, but I, I would hope they won that game. Uh, of course, I am rooting for Team Israel generally, but uh, wouldn't expect them to give a major league team much of a game. I didn't see the result. But, uh, you know, if a team goes one in something, I might be a little concerned. But I, I generally would not count spring training records for much. See, I, I, I'm going to go the other way on that one because what's happened with the Cubs is they threw a no-hitter. They're getting these great young pitching performances from some guys you never heard of, but guys in the system that you expected good things. I think that, I think that it's a positive for the Cubs because it just emphasizes how good their young pitching is. Yeah, and I mean another positive for the Cubs is the way they finished last year. At a, you know, yeah. they seemed to be. I mean, they were done, and they played their hearts out for the final two months. So you know, I think their manager Ross did a great job with them, and I love their off season. They added some great pieces. Tyone is going to help Swanson. I mean, the guy wants to win. When I was in Cubs camp, he told me basically that he had reservations about going to the Cubs because. He's one of those guys like Derek Jeter who really basically only cares about winning, nothing else. And he's not interested in going to Chicago, even though it's probably the best city in the country, at least in my opinion, and has the best pizza and the best hot dogs, and it's awesome and beautiful and all that. And uh, he doesn't care at all about it. He only wants to win. And uh, basically said, to tell the truth, I, I wasn't sure this was the right place for me, but he became convinced and when, when I saw him, he was happy that he made that decision. I think they did great work in the winter. They had a great finish last year. And, I mean, certainly it doesn't hurt that they're getting good, good performances from young guys in, in spring camp. And, uh, you know, their signs are positive for the Cubs. So, um, you know, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm with you overall. But the actual team record, I, I, I still don't give it much credence. 
What other takeaways did you get from Cubs camp, John? Because a lot of things are going positively besides just the winning streak. You see some isolated uh, veterans having good camps, and Cody Bellinger comes to mind. He's somebody that uh, hit his first home run, I, I believe, uh, yesterday, and he's somebody that could get a lot of uh, opportunities along with Trey Mancini, Hosmer. This is, this is an interesting bunch of veterans who are on prove-it deals with a lot to prove. Yeah, first of all, they brought in great guys. I mean, Mancini, Hosmer, I mean, Tyone, some of the nicest guys in the game. So that, that's great. That doesn't necessarily help you win, but that's great. One thing that Tyone mentioned to me at Bellinger, and I never found Bellinger to interview him. I interviewed all the other new guys or key guys. He was He's always working. According to Tyone, he's the first one there, and he's a very serious guy. He said, if you look at his I don't know, social media page or Instagram, he looks like a goofball, basically. He said something like that. But he is the most serious guy, the most uh, the guy who is most focused on improving and, uh, you know, and certainly in his case, getting back to where he was. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was an MVP. So, you know, you always like a one-year signing. Uh, but in this case, you know, the upside is huge. If he can get anywhere close to that, uh, that's going to be a major bargain. It, you know, it's interesting looking at what Cody Bellinger is is doing versus Jason Hayward kind of taking his spot in uh, in Dodgers camp, and and all of a sudden he's improved significantly, at least according to Freddie Freeman, and making a run at a roster spot. Maybe with Gavin Lux, maybe they're moving guys around. Maybe that's part of it. But what what have you seen of that story? That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I saw Hayward hit a home run against the lefty Heaney uh, out there when I was there, and basically somebody on the Dodgers told me that Hayward is making the team, barring injury, wow. he's on the team. And I don't think it's related to Lux. I think, the, uh, in fact, that was, I think, before Lux uh, got hurt. So, uh, you know, it's a great story. I mean, he certainly looked, you know, pretty close to done at the end there. Uh, with the Cubs, but uh, you never know. Guys can come back. He certainly had it in him at one time. He's in fabulous shape, as always, and, uh, you know, maybe it helps to be around Lockery next to Freeman, at least in spring training, and be around Betts and all those guys. Maybe it's a plus, but my understanding is they're planning to put him on the team. John, just curious, who'd you pick for the World Baseball Classic? Did you have to make a pick? I didn't have to make a pick, but uh, that Dominican team looks pretty good to me. I mean, we'd like to go with Team U.S. They have the best uh, lineup, but, uh, you know, pitching is, you know, some people think it's more than half the game, but it's certainly at least half the game. And, uh, you know, I give the pitchers who are doing it, uh, Wayne Wright and Singer and the other guys, the relief staff looks pretty good. Uh, credit for doing it for Team U.S., so I don't want to knock them, but uh, – you know, I think the fact that you don't have DeGrom and Scherzer and Cease uh, when he's at his best and all that, uh, you know, makes U.S. not the obvious favorite. Uh, Marcus Stroman's pitching for Puerto Rico. I believe in the past he's pitched for the U.S., but he's switched countries. <laughs> a man without a country. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I don't know what the rules are. Like yeah. yeah, I mean, there are Yankees who – who turned down two countries. Trevino turned down uh, U.S. and Mexico. So, uh, you know, uh, there's certainly guys who qualify for more than one country. St. Louis was uh, was at Cardinals camp. They've got a guy for Team Italy. They've got 
Uh, they've got a guy in J- uh, Japan. I think it's Nupar. I think it's playing for Japan. They've got uh, uh, Canada, O'Neill, uh, you know, and, of course, U.S. They've got Wayne Wright and, and, uh, and uh, Lance Lynn. Goldschmidt. Don't forget Matt Mervis on Team Israel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Mervis. I love Team Israel. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, good for Matt Mervis. I like to see that. I was disappointed Bregman was in Astros camp when I was there uh, a couple days ago. He won't be playing uh, for Team Israel, but uh, you never know. They may, they, they could surprise Harrison Bader. I saw yesterday he's not playing for Team Israel. He could be pretty good, but, uh, you know, uh, they're missing a few uh, key pieces. I think I read that he's the perfect Yankee, John. <laughs> that is right. He's he in the, the New York Post. Yankee. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, the guy who basically doesn't do much in the regular season and is fantastic in October, that's what you look for uh, if you're a Yankee because you, you know they'll be in the playoffs anyway. So it doesn't matter. The regular season, you know, at least the way they think about it, doesn't matter. But uh, they haven't talked to him about a new contract yet. He's a free agent after the year. So we shall see what happens with that. Uh, they got a kid, Jason Dominguez, who looks pretty good. Uh, he's probably at least a year away, though. And, uh, you know, maybe that's the reason they haven't talked to Bader. But, you know, Bader's a fantastic defensive player, a very, very confident young man. And uh, he's a New Yorker, so uh, he belongs with the Yankees. Great stuff, John. Really appreciate your time, as always. Thanks, John. All right. Great talking, guys. See you later. See you, buddy. That is John Heyman. John, uh, good, good stuff. Man. I like I And I'm serious. Like, I, you know, we were told that this World Baseball Classic, that the baseball got kicked out of the Olympics, so they decided to do their own version of, like, the World Cup. In the World Cup, you can't represent a different country after you've declared, right? You can't, you know, in the old days, Puskas was the great Hungarian player who then played for Spain. I think they, that's you can't no jump around. Allowed. You can't yeah. jump around. You can, obviously, in you the WBC. You can in the WBC. Yeah, yeah, you can be – you can – Marcus Stroman is is the yes, latest example. example. Yeah, but yeah. that's the what you can get. I am not as into the WBC as uh, some people. I think I watch it. I, I'm interested in the competition. I love seeing what Otani's doing today. It from a competitive standpoint, it is fun. But I can't help but wonder every time I see these guys out there, what are they doing? Yeah. And Brian Cashman, John Hamm is right. The Yankees do not. Welcome. Encourage that. They, they don't yes. encourage it. They discourage yeah. it. Now, they have some players who might be doing it anyway, but no, they say, no, they're investing in these players and their health. So, How about John telling us that he's been told that Jason Hayward's making that team? And, and here's the thing, and I said this to you before when we were talking about it a few days ago. I thought that if he wanted to play, he would have chosen a team where he was definitely going to play. and And to choose – to a minor league contract with the Dodgers was almost an indication that he kind of knew he was done. But that is exactly wrong. I, I had a completely bad read on that. One. I love the way he approached it because I think he saw best a specific team yes. best team he could find, but also a specific Spot. need he could fill. Yes. He yeah. could be their defensive specialist or he yeah. could be. And now he's rediscovering his swing and it sounds like he's making the team. So, That'd be great for Jason Hayward. This could be, you know, hard to believe. It's hard to believe, but you could. We've seen it before. Change of scenery sometimes yeah. revives people's careers. All right, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. It's Mully and Hall at Chicago Sports Radio six seven. The score. I'll make a decision soon enough, and then we'll go down that road and be really excited about it.
Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. He is bursting with excitement. That is the voice of Aaron Rodgers, the soon to be New York Jet. Sounds like it. J-E-T-S. Well, there's optimism. That's the report. I don't want to call it breaking news because it's not necessarily news, it's speculation. Mm-hmm. But ESPN reports that in the wake of extensive in-person meeting, an extensive in-person meeting between Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets brass, including owner Woody Johnson, there's optimism in the Jets organization that they are on the brink of landing the future Hall of Fame quarterback sources close to the situation, tell ESPN. Yeah, there was a report yesterday that the, uh, that the Packers are not going to hold them up over – the Packers are willing – to do a deal, excuse me, do a deal with the Jets that would be for like a reasonable amount. They're not going to demand all this uh, extra stuff. They're, they just want to be fair about oh, it because okay. they're hoping to get rid of the guy. Are, are, because they're doing right by Aaron Rodgers. They want to do right by the franchise quarterback. That sounds familiar. But I think that what it says is that they want to get rid of him. Well, that's, that's they want the, to part company and move on from him. They they have a, a Jordan Love going on that is knows no bounds. Well, sometimes, you know. Yeah. A Jordan Love is just it once it hits you, it just stays. So they're staying they're, well, they're it, gonna stick with Jordan Love and they're gonna trade uh Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers is agreeing. Uh, apparently, he's been amenable to moving to. Well, the New Jets York are Jets. doing them a favor if that's their mindset. Yeah. Because their mindset in moving on from Aaron Rodgers is that that contract has become an albatross and they feel like they have gone as far as they're going to with a 39 year old quarterback. And he doesn't care. And he doesn't care as much as they want him to care. Yes. His, his, com- his commitment level left a lot to be desired in their eyes, as it seemed from the outside. And I think that we saw the results of it as well. It took them a while to develop the chemistry that you want between your quarterback and your receiving core. So this is a addition by subtraction in the eyes of some Packers fans. Not all of them. They're going to miss them. They're going to be a different team without them if this happens. Uh, it definitely – here's what I want to there, – there, there are two things in play here. Number one, I am curious what this does to the Jets – I kind of dismissed them as a Super Bowl contender yesterday because I yep. don't know how well it's all going to fit together, and I still think it's the AFC and they're better teams. So there's that element. But I think locally, through the Bears' prism, I wonder this. We talk all the time this offseason about Ryan Poles being patient and having a plan to sustain success that is not necessarily about next year, but about the next maybe three to five years, correct? Does Aaron Rodgers leaving the division – affect the Bears' timetable at all? Does it make them feel like success, a division title, is more attainable quicker than it would be if you had a Hall of Fame quarterback who has been historically you know, in your way, now out of the way? Um, I think the, the unknowns with uh, Jordan Love are, are more um, important than the knowns. So we know he's the next man up. We know he has waited his turn. We know that this has worked before for the Green Bay Packers. But I think the unknowns are kind of overwhelming when you actually stop and contemplate it. So the answer to that question, David, is that if this guy is – if Aaron Rodgers is to Jordan Love as – as uh, 
Aaron Rodgers was to Brett Favre, right? If Jordan Love is to Aaron Rodgers what Aaron Rodgers was to Brett Favre, then the Bears are in serious trouble. I'm saying that's not happening, I'm though. saying that's not happening either. And I, I'm saying that the, that the real exception to the rule was Aaron Rodgers. I, I, to have a guy who's that good. It just, it's who, math. It's simple yes. statistics. Yeah. You can't possibly tell me they're going to get it right again. If, They've gotten it right. I know. And it's been Good a for them. very horrible long it's stretch. It's been a generation of Hall of Fame quarterback play. Yeah. But the, the, surely this ends. It's got to stop now. Right? Don't you believe? I got to think it does. I mean, I so, sure hope so. So that is that is the context. I think that you look at the Bears now looking forward to this season, to the next phase. Is Jordan, is Jordan Love behind Justin Fields? Yes. Justin Fields only has five wins in his career. Yes. Yes. Okay. Because he's got two seasons in. Justin Fields is now, I don't want to say he's a seasoned starter, but he has experience that matters. And so he's ready for that next step. Jordan Love has to get, you know, get that experience before you say he has. He's got to get all thudded up. He does. He has to get all (laughs) thudded up. He has been in the Packers camp. He has been in those meeting rooms, but he hasn't been on the field. And to me, now you have a situation where Jordan Love is at the bottom rung of the quarterback ladder in the NFC North. You've got Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff who have most the most experience and, and have proven the most. And then you have Justin Fields who probably has the highest ceiling of any quarterback in the league or in the, in the division, excuse me. And then there's Jordan Love who I don't know that it's a mystery. It's, a, it's a, maybe an exciting mystery for Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur and everybody in Green Bay but it's a mystery that the Bears fans and the, and the city of Chicago have to look at it as a welcome one. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the bottom line. It's fun to contemplate what the Packers may become. It's fun to, to feel like perhaps their advantage is, is, has been turned. Uh, that's all fun stuff. But the Bears, they are closing in. It's less than a week now until free agency hits. And they've got to start making their team better. And all of this contemplation of where they fit in the division and what it all starts with getting better. Mm-hmm. They got to get like not a little bit better. They got to get a lot better. They got to get like, I don't know, eight, nine players better. I'm talking like they need players that you say are above average starters at. Eight or nine positions. How many do they have but that would fit that profile not, right now? Not enough now. You're, no. you're exactly right. This doesn't change how how immense the challenge is yeah. for, the, for the Bears to overcome and, and how big the project remains. I'm just saying that he's out of the way. He's out of the way if yeah. this goes through. You should have a parade. You should have a yeah, It's uh, great it's to a see party the time. back of that guy. No yeah. question about it. No doubt about it. All right. We've got uh, – Tommy Hadovy, the Cubs pitching coach, will join us next. It's Mully and Hawn, the score. Pitching coach Tommy Hadovy of the Cubs wearing the blue pullover. Tommy Hadovy, pitching coach for the Chicago Cubs. You're transitioning from being a player to kind of getting into baseball. You take an online class, was it, at Boston U, Sabermetrics 101? Yeah. I was a finance major in college, and I had an economics minor. A lot of it was to, I'm going to refresh all my econ knowledge, and I'm going to do it in a baseball course. It's like one of the best things ever. 
there's just a lot of trust there with Tommy. We know he's such a hard worker. He puts in all the hours and really, really knows what he's talking about when it comes to pitching. Tommy Hadovy breaking down the starting rotation and bullpen on the north side with Mullen Haw. I'm here for one reason. I want to help these guys get better, and we want to win baseball games. Tommy Hadovy on 670 The Score. Tommy. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. What a joy to talk to the Cubs pitching coach, Tommy Hadovy, joins us on the Score Hotline, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Tommy, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. How are you doing? Pretty good. Well, we're having an argument this morning as to whether or not to count the victory over Canada <laughs> as part of the winning streak in Arizona. It's technically not Cactus League, but you guys keep winning. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, guys are playing well. You know, uh, Craig Driver, our, our catching coach, I think had the line of the day yesterday, asked if we needed to exchange pins after the game, you know, with the <laughs> – opposing team um but yeah it 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 really has been fun the guys are are playing well throwing the ball well right now um you know just all the little things that we've been working on it's fun to see it manifest itself in games and I know it's spring training I know it's early but you'd rather be in a position where guys are pitching well and 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 peaking and, and doing things right then than to be struggling and saying like okay well it's early we'll We'll get, you know, we have time and all those things. I mean, you hear that all the time, but, you know, you want guys to have success, whether it's a spring training game, a regular season game, postseason, live BP, with, with that, whatever that may be. So, yeah, it's nice to see. So how much fun was it to watch that no-hitter last Friday night against the Padres, and what did you do with your gift from Tucker Barnhart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it's it's just, again, you see when you're when you run out seven different pitchers, and all of them have success. All of them go out there and compete really well. That, that's always nice to see. And, and you know, it was really funny. Uh, next morning, Tucker comes in with the, with the you know, the watches and some sparkling uh, apple juice or apple cider. And, you know, I, I rocked my, my Super Mario watch for a few days just to see if, you know, how long we could go. And, you know, it's funny. We, we were joking, you know, because we had the no-hitter um, – you know, in, in LA and then lost 11 in a row afterwards. We're kind of flipping the script right now. We're going to win 11 in a row after our no hitter here. So, um, you know, it's been fun. Tucker's been an, an awesome addition. Just the guy it's really brings a lot of leadership, but also just that, that humility, that, that fun side too, that you need when you're, when you're you know with each other for over 200, you know, 200 plus days. We've decided that the reason you've been managing to win all these games is that you've got so much good young pitching and everybody's sort of in competition, so it's like next man up all over the place and you're getting great individual pitching performances. We know you built the team around defense and that helps, but the pitching's been great. Yeah, I think that part of of it, I think you've hit it right on the head. I think when you when you know you have guys coming and you, you want these young guys to prove that, you know, they're here and they're, and they're knocking on the door. You've got some veteran guys that, that know there's going to be competition for the back end of the bullpen. You have starters that know there's going to be competition for a rotation spot. When you have that internal competition, it definitely brings out the best in guys. Um, but but it, also, it also doesn't down, slow down any of the progression and things that we want to work on. Guys are, are hungry. They're, they're not – 
taking things for granted. They're out working every single day. And, and that's all you can really ask for this time of year. Um, it's easy to fall into the trap of like, I'm just going to go through my motion to get my, my inning in today. Cause I'm on the team. Well, we just have a lot of guys that just don't feel that way. You know, they're out to prove, you know, that they either got the contract that they got or signed here for a reason or, or we're a non-roster invitee for a reason because they, they feel like they can help us compete and win. So, you know, it's great to see um, guys working hard and going out there and having success. Tommy Hayden Wesneski's had two impressive outings, and I know he's in the competition for the fifth starter spot. We talked to Carter Hawkins on Monday. He talked about the opportunity costs and the thought process and whether or not being at Iowa or being with the major league team and the pros and cons. Where is he in terms of this race for the fifth starter spot, and how surprised are you, if you are at all, at his success so so uh, far in spring training? Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely in, in the mix. You know, we saw when he came over last year just what he could do given given the opportunity. And and honestly, you know, I'm, I'm not really that surprised with just how he's done, knowing knowing the worker he is, knowing his mentality, how he goes about his business, plus – his his stuff. I mean, you watch him pitch and you see the breaking ball. You see the way he can move move the pitches around the strike zone. And you know, he's not a guy that I would consider a like complete command pitcher. Not not a guy that's going to execute everything he throws. But he's going to be around the strike zone a ton, and his stuff moves all over the place. So it's you know, as long as he's attacking and being aggressive. In, in and around the strike zone with the stuff that he has, he's going to have success. And, you know, I think I think there's a lot of guys. I mean, Javier Assad's had a really, really good camp. I know he pitched for Team Mexico yesterday, but another guy that we know can do what he's done starting. You know, Samson has been working through some stuff this spring, but obviously when he's been given the opportunity in the season, in regular season, he's had a ton of success as well. So, you know, again, we want guys to go out there and continue to compete, continue to work. And I know that stuff will all work itself out by the time we, we head to Chicago. You know, it's interesting. You say he's working on some stuff. That That's always what we hear with different pitchers. Like, Drew Smiley had a rough start, maybe the only rough start you've had, but he was working on some stuff, right? You don't, you don't overreact yeah. to anything in spring training because these guys, depending on the pitcher, there might be something going on that, that no one has an idea about. You just – look at a box score and you raise an eyebrow, but it, none of it is really relevant. Yeah, I think, especially if, if there's there's guys that are working on mechanical things, um, it's not uncommon this time of year for guys that feel a little off. Maybe maybe the legs are moving a little quicker than the arm right now. We're kind of hitting that, that spot in spring training where guys are building up. We've gotten some, some good volume and maybe the arm's not moving quite as quick and you know, with Drew the other day, there were some things we noticed noticed just with the, his arm path was just kind of a little out of whack from what we had seen in the past. So he went into that start with a major focus on getting his arm back to the position he wanted to be in. So when you're focused on something that mechanical throughout a game, you know, execution may take a back seat, you know, and and obviously if execution takes a back seat and you leave one over the middle of the plate, you know, this is the big leagues, even in spring training, you're going to pay. So, you know, I think you have to look at it from a process standpoint. What are we trying to accomplish today? Is there something specific we're trying to work on? If everything's rolling and you're feeling good, then we can go out and compete and work on some stuff and, you know, and attack the hitters. And absolutely it kind of changes that approach. But, 
it, it's easy to get caught up in the results. Um, but right now, especially the process of how we go about getting guys ready for games is, is number one most important. Tommy, Braylon Marquez was reassigned to minor league camp earlier this week, but his name resonates with the Cub fans because of his past, because of the expectations, and certainly because of the injuries he's encountered. Where is he in his development, and what did he show you in, in limited time with the big league uh, spring training camp? Yeah, I mean, I think for Braylon, he's still kind of behind, um, you know, where we where we would hope he would be right now. Um, a lot of that's just still dealing with some shoulder stuff and some, you know, just not quite having the range of motion and stuff that he would that we'd obviously like him to have before we start like a full ramp up. Um, we we know we talked to him the other day. We know what he can do when he's right. Um, he's got electric stuff. Um, he's got the ability to, to get lefties and righties out, and and we just need to go see him do it again, you know, is, is the big thing. So getting him on a program that is going to help him build up, um, it, it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, but we know what's in there. We know the type of pitcher he can be, and just just excited to hopefully get to see him go out there and compete again and, and get back to being that version of himself. It's interesting to see Kyle Hendricks go through a bullpen session, and we know he's got like you, I think you have ten bullpen sessions aligned for him, and then you're gonna uh, move on from there. It it seems just listening to it like he's headed to extended spring training. Um, is that the plan? When do you think he'll be ready to rejoin the team? And obviously, patience is the is the, the always something you you have to consider when you're talking about a guy coming back from injury. Yeah, I think um, that timeline, you know, seems you know very reasonable. I think the, the getting through the bullpen progression, getting his volume built up, you know, and that anywhere from like eight to eight to twelve bullpens, we kind of have it scheduled, like penciled into that ten to twelve range. Obviously, we we read and react and, and communicate with Kyle as we're going through this process. There there may be days where we need to back off the bullpen because he's just not recover and there may be other days where he feels great we may want to push the volume so I, I think that extended spring training is probably where we're going to see Kyle building up um, most of his volume in in games YBPs um, games down here um, I you know w- with Kyle Kyle knows how to how to ramp up for a season so getting through this bullpen phase is more of a, a mental checkpoint as anything for him to prove that the work he's put in to kind of clean up the arm a little bit, take a little bit of stress off that shoulder, um, also continue to be more athletic, be more dynamic of a mover. We've all seen Kyle just be so smooth and effortless in his delivery, and we wanted to create some more of that 2016, 2017 Kyle. I know, you know obviously he's an older pitcher. That's been a while, but still he's a really good athlete in getting him to move more efficiently. So checking some boxes in these bullpens for him is going to be extremely important. And he's, he's been feeling great. 30 seconds, Tommy, Justin Steele, did he clear a hurdle in two innings the other night in the no hitter? Is he fine now? Yeah, I, he feels, he feels great. He pitched yesterday, got up to 50 pitches, um, you know, recovering well. Yeah. I think we're, we've, we've kind of cleared the bar of with the little nagging stuff that he had going on and yeah, excited for, to see him continue to build up the spring. Tommy, thanks a ton. Great catching up with you. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. Anytime, guys. Have a great day.
That is Tommy Hadovy, the Cubs pitching coach. It's fun, isn't it? I it mean, is fun. Because things are going pretty well. It's positive spring for the pitchers in yes. Cubs camp, and that's good to see, pitching and defense. The only thing I wish we would have asked him about was Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah. Being a big Chiefs guy. Yeah. I does, wonder how, how he feels about that. How does he feel about, about losing him? And is he, you know. And does he want him in town? Just is he so worth, they can the, be worth the money? Yeah. Well, I mean, Another Chiefs fan in town. That would be good for Tommy Hadovy. <laughs> Is he a cheese fan if they let him go? It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the school.